Welcome to Literary Quest, a podcast hosted by us, Vicki and Marissa, where we discuss our favorite and fantasy fiction and hopefully can direct you in your quest to find your next great read. Welcome to the fifth episode of Literary Quest. It is our first After Dark episode. We're going to be talking about Rhapsodic, uh, the first book in the Bargainer series by Laura Thalassa. And an After Dark episode, we decided, was going to be if the book has descriptive sex multiple times and if the book cannot be a book without the romance. So it's our guideline for what an After Dark episode is. It also means it will be an explicit episode, so there will be cursing as well as discussions about sex and various other mature topics. We both really loved this book. I think we're you know, excited to go over it with everyone and talk about it. Mm-hmm. It was a great book. Loved all the characters. And we know the main character, the main male character is like Marissa's dream man. Yes, he is. He yeah. really is. Like, Geralt he- of Rivia with pointy ears and wings. That's it for me. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have That's- to like, somehow manifest <laughs> these people. Oh. I'm working on the manifestation. I think I told you that last week. Maybe not. I don't know. So I'd gotten followers on Instagram by like three fake Henry Cavill accounts. And I'm trying to manifest the real Henry Cavill. So I think I'm making progress. You know, I just got to be a little bit more more specific about manifesting the real Henry Cavill. <laughs> we'll tag him in this. Yeah, one day. It's coming. We'll one day. <laughs> Okay, so I'm going to start this week with character descriptions, and then Marissa will take over with the plot. So, since it's the first book in the series, we have a lot of new faces and new places to go over. The first place is the Otherworld, which is the land of Fae. There are four kingdoms. We spend most of our time in the Night Kingdom in this book. Our main heroine is Calypso Lilis, also known as Callie. She is 23 years old and is a very successful PI. She's also part siren. Sirens, as we know, are mythical creatures that use their voices and beauties to lure sailors to their deaths. In this series, sirens were also once cursed and have a history of misfortune and bad luck. When Callie uses her siren powers, she glows, is more assertive both sexually and physically. She's also able able to glamor humans. She can make them do anything she wants and force them to tell the truth, which is a very useful skill as a PI, but she cannot glamour Faye. When she was 16, she killed her abusive stepfather, which is how she met the bargainer. They developed a close friendship, during which time she caught feelings, but seven years ago he vanished from her life. She has a bracelet full of beads that mark the deals she made with the bargainer during that time period for a total of 322 beats. There's no physical description of the character, which was actually deliberately done by the author. The next character is Temperance, or Temper Darling, Callie's best friend and coworker. She's a powerful supernatural being. She and Callie met at Peel Academy and bonded because they were both outcasts. We also meet Eli, Callie's boyfriend. He is a werewolf and bounty hunter. He helps Callie and Temper, but has also worked for the Polisha. 
the Supernatural Police Force. Callie has wanted to break up with him for months. Next, we meet our main romantic interest, the Bargainer. He is also known as Desmond Flynn, King of the Night, and His Majesty Desmond Flynn, Emperor of the Evening Stars and Lord of Secrets. He is a male who has a history of making deals with humans and supernatural beings. He grants a deal, but will collect repayment when he feels like it. This is often in the form of a favor, so many of his clients are high-profile or powerful people. He is described as being six feet tall, with long, white blonde hair and silver eyes, bat-like wings, and pointy ears. He is fae and ruler of the Night Kingdom. Mm. Your dream. My dream. (laughs) We have Hugh Anders, Callie's stepfather, a famous stock market analyst, and someone with a knack for predicting the future. We see the casket children. They are children who were returned to the Night Kingdom with catatonic mothers. They have fangs and feed off blood. They also prophesize and are generally just creepy as fuck. Then we have the Thief of Souls. He's the big bad of the entire series. He's the father of the casket children. We have Janus, ruler of the Kingdom of Day. He's the direct opposite to Desmond and they do not get along. We have Mara, ruler of the Kingdom of Flora. Karnan, ruler of the Kingdom of Fauna, also known as the Mad King. He's described as having antlers. There are two other houses. There's the Kingdom of Mar, which reigns over water, and Kingdom of Death and Deep Earth. We meet Ethereal, a fey warrior from the Day Kingdom that Callie befriends. So those are our main characters that show up in this book. Um, Marissa, you want to pick up with the plot? Yes. So... Our book begins eight years in the past in California, uh, where Callie is 15 years old. She's covered in blood, and she has just murdered her father, her stepfather, out of self-defense. She is frantic and unsure of what her next step should be. She is afraid of calling the police because she will be um, considered an adult. So in this world, adulthood is age 16. And so she'll be considered an adult in two weeks. And she's afraid that if she does call the police, her, her father was a really powerful figure. And so she's afraid of being imprisoned. Then she remembers that there's a card in the junk drawer for a fixer, someone who can solve her problems without the police being involved, which is for the bargainer. So she finds the card and it instructs her to say, bargainer, I would like to make a deal. The bargainer arrives and declines to help her at first because she's a minor, um, and, but she begs him for help. And so the bargainer concedes uh, as pro bono work for helping her. Callie has no family. And so the bargainer tells her to pack her bags because she'll be starting at the Magical Academy, the Peel Academy on the Isle of Man. Bargainer's magic is powerful and he takes care of her problem, but with the siren's curse, after five months, the bargainer's magic starts to fade and the police contact Callie and she finds herself asking the bargainer for another deal. And so he agrees this time. From there, she keeps contacting him. So she contacts him to make a deal just to spend time with her, but this turns into a daily thing in part to ease some of the loneliness that she feels at school, but also because she likes him and she enjoys her time with him. And so with each deal she makes, 
A bead is added to the bracelet on her wrist. Callie and the bargainer get to know each other and eventually he reveals that his, his name is Desmond Flynn, which is like this big secret. And he starts taking her on trips to collect on bargains. Eventually, he begins to stay overnight with her as he comforts her through the nightmares that she has pretty regularly. And Callie begins to develop strong feelings for the bargainer. Spring comes, and with it arrives the May Day Ball at school, which the bargainer, Desmond, escorts her to. And when they return back to Callie's dorm, Callie declares her love for him, and they share a really passionate kiss. And Des takes the kiss from sweet to flaming hot and then he collects himself and he says that he needs time he wants to do right by Callie and Callie uh, becomes very anxious because it sounds like he's leaving and so she makes a desperate wish to keep Des with her however it's not enough to make him stay and so he leaves and she doesn't see him for seven years and she is devastated and heartbroken we pick back up in the present with our female lead, Callie, seven years later. She's working as a private investigator and she comes home to find that the bargainer has returned. He is lounging on her bed and he is ready to collect on uh, the 322 favors that she owes him. So the, natures of these favor the nature of these favors varies from just giving him a kiss to redecorating one of his guest rooms to whatever, uh, but the, the bargainer implies that there, there may be a physical component involved. And so with this in mind, Callie breaks off her relationship with her boyfriend, Eli, who she's been trying to break up with for months anyway. Eli is an alpha wolf shifter. And so he does not respond to Callie breaking up with him very well. Callie begins repaying the favors to death enter to the bargainer and he he uses this game of truth or dare to get her to reveal secrets and to catch up on what's happened with her for the last seven years and the bargainer eventually reveals that he needs her help he calls on her skills as a private investigator and as a siren it turns out that soldiers of the night court have been disappearing for the last 10 years the male soldiers never return but the female soldiers do return in a dreamlike state, in a sleep that they can't be woken from, sort of between consciousness and unconsciousness. Uh, and they re they're returned in glass caskets, each with a sword and also with a child, a living child. And so Des takes Callie to his realm in the other world, where she uses her abilities as a siren to glamour one of the wet nurses for the casket children compelling her to answer questions about them and about the missing soldiers and where the children have come from. Callie questions the casket children who do not like Des and who communicate via one line of consciousness, which is very bizarre and creepy, but they reveal that the thief of souls, who is our big bad in this series, is their father and that he enjoys breaking pretty things and he is coming for Callie. Kelly begins to have dark dreams that feel very real and are very disturbing. And she comes to realize that in questioning the casket children, she may have put a target on her back. She is threatened by the thief of souls while sleeping in her home. And the bargainer declares that she will be staying with him until he deems that she is safe enough to leave. The threat grows more serious when she goes to examine the sleeping female soldiers and their caskets 
and the thief of souls speaks through the casket women. As this is happening, so Callie's ex-boyfriend, Eli, tracks Callie to Des's home on Catalina Island, where he attempts to reason with Callie. At their last encounter, he showed up at her house right after the full moon, which is super bad because werewolves are very temperamental at that time and are dangerous to others. And so when that happened, he tried to attack Des and Callie and ended up destroying her house. And so when he comes to the bargainer's house this time, Callie explains the nature of her deal with the bargainer and why she has those deals in the first place. And then as this is happening, Des shows up with his wings on full display, ready for a fight. And Eli immediately backs off and apologizes to Des. And then Des reveals the true significance of displaying his wings to someone. So fey males display their wings to their soulmates, which is a shocking revelation for Callie. But Des then reveals the reasons for why he didn't contact her for seven years and how he fought to get back to her and how he truly feels for her. And Callie reveals that she has never stopped loving him in the last seven years. And so finally, after several chapters of caresses and kisses and sweet moments, our characters finally have sex. However, the morning after this big uh, moment of growth in their relationship, the target, the thief of souls put on Callie becomes a problem and she is stolen away. So, Major spoilers for the rest of the plot after that, but the real question is, will our heroine be reunited with our hero? You have to read the book to find out. So from this point forward, spoilers abound. We'll be talking about major spoilers that happen in the plot. Uh, so if you're not into spoilers and you don't know what, you don't want to know what's going to happen, you should pause our podcast here and come back after you've read the book or if like me you love knowing what's going to happen you should keep listening <laughs> so we were talking together about the chapters that they're set up with flashbacks at the beginning of each one and they go back and forth and you really like that I do really like that I like that it breaks it up I think that's an interesting way to string the plot together instead of so in some books where it happens where it's set up like partially in the past, partially in the present, you know, they'll do all of the backstory in the first part of the book and then pick up with the characters in the present. And I really, I, I prefer the way that this is set up. I feel like it builds anticipation to finding out what's like, what's going to happen in their past, but also in their present. But you don't like that. <laughs> I don't. I'm so impatient that I'm like, just tell me. I don't want to just tell me what it is. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really funny because you're the one that doesn't like spoilers. You don't want to know what's going to happen. And I love spoilers. I love to know what's going to happen. So I don't know. Interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I like stuff like that. I think it's an interesting way to break up the book. So let's talk about the bracelet that the bargainer puts on her. Yes. You imagined a rosary? I imagine it like a rosary. I do, because she mentioned that it's like these brown beads and it sort of like goes up her wrist and stuff. Mm -hmm. So I imagine like a rosary. Mm -hmm. Do you picture one? No, but I'm not Catholic. And so the rosary is not really like a, I just picture bracelets. 
I did start to think about, I don't know how, like that bracelet wasn't a major talking piece for everyone in her life though. I guess maybe the magic related to it kind of keeps it from becoming an obvious thing, but 320, she says it takes up like half of her forearm. Can you imagine how like clunky? (laughs) I know. Well, she mentions at some point that she glamors it though. Oh, does she? Yeah. Oh, okay. But that's later on in the book, in the series. Mm. I miss that. I just started thinking like, I wear a watch and it gets stuck in my hair. If I move my arm wrong, I can't imagine how much hair I would lose if I had like eight rows of beads on my arm all the time. I would get so annoyed with it. I have such a habit of playing with bracelets and things on there. So that's why I can't really wear watches or bracelets. Mm-hmm. I break them all. <laughs> so just play with them. Oh, that would drive me crazy. I would end up with like giant welts on my arm or something from trying to rip the thing off. Because <laughs> it would drive me crazy. Yeah. I just, oh, I feel like it would be really cumbersome. But it's a better alternative to what everyone else gets. So that's just one more way that she's kind of special compared to everyone that he makes bargains with that she doesn't seem to register as actually making her special. So he mentions with everyone else, they don't get a bead. They get a like a repulsive, awful tattoo. Mm-hmm. I like that scene where he's like, oh, you want a tattoo? Well, let me show you what it would look like. Mm-hmm. And it's all those tally marks. And she's like, oh, no, I know. I changed my Not mind. <laughs> I don't like this anymore. Yeah. yeah. No, she's, that'd be bad. Yeah. She's so oblivious to him liking her. I, at some point, he says, I like you. Like, mm-hmm. and she's still like, does he like, like me? Yeah. But do you like me, like me? Yeah. She, I don't know if it's because she's insecure about who she is as a person, which she does give off that vibe, right? Mm -hmm. Like she spent, she talks about like hating herself, hating that she is part siren, hating that everything about her draws other people in. So I'm sure that she probably feels insecure about people actually liking her because that's part of her appeal as like just built into her nature as being a siren is that people automatically are drawn to her anyway so there's this I would imagine insecurity about well like do people really like me or do they just like me because they're drawn to what I am but he's fey he's not I mean he doesn't fall victim to her charms he also abandoned her for five or seven years so that probably messes with that a little bit yes that that would that would do it I imagine even when she was 16, though, um, when she kissed him, she was like, do you like me? And she goes, you do. Mm-hmm. And then he ran away. And yeah. it was, you know, he liked you then. Why wouldn't he like you now? Especially mm-hmm. he comes back in your life and the first thing he does is kiss you. Yeah. So whatever. Oh, that was one of the things. So when I started this book, I was like, uh, 16. You yeah. know how I Didn't get we? with that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And then I was like, oh, but it got better. I was worried for a minute. Yeah. I'm glad that was worked out. (laughs) Yes. I, so I just tried to remember what I was like as a 16 year old. And 
that was also really cringy. I can't. <laughs> if uh, Geralt of Rivia with pointy ears and wings showed up at my door every night to hang out with me as a 16-year-old, and, and I had to think back on it as a, a person that I am now, it would just be this one giant, oh, it was so awkward <laughs> as a 16. Like, I wouldn't like me. <laughs> So I could see like questioning if someone liked you as a 16 year old, because those teen years are rough. <laughs> I mean, it's true. Yeah, I wouldn't bad. like me as a, I don't get people who like 16 year olds in general, oh. right? Remembering being a teenager and I, it's just not pleasant. Nope. You know, you look back on it and it's uncomfortable. Not- well, it's like, you know, there are all of these songs, I feel like particularly country songs, but whatever, that glorify your teen years. They're like your glory years. And I'm like, uh, definitely feeling more of my glory years in my thirties. Yeah. <laughs> 16 was not a good time for me. No, no, it's not. Let's write some glory year songs about being 30 and like having some financial independence. <laughs> yes. Knowing a little bit better who you are as a person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's glorious. Yeah. Yeah. So he's super, she's super oblivious to, I don't and know. He's, it just drives me crazy a little bit. Probably not my favorite heroine that we've had. You him, know, but she's, yeah, she's not mine either. I guess it's, it's just, she's a different type of heroine from the ones that we've had before. But I mean, and I, I feel like probably her past with, you know, her not ever knowing who her real father is, her mom dying, being isolated from everybody and then having that abusive stepfather, it it would probably be hard to feel secure in your relationships with other people because of those other factors too. So I understand her insecurity, but also Like, Des, through their entire relationship with each other, has not been the type of person to reveal his secrets, to not reveal and just state, like, this is how I feel about things. He's more of an action person. He is. And she goes to his house, or he takes her to his house, and he's got all those mementos up Mm -hmm. of their time, of their travel together all of that Mm -hmm. and you know like you said his actions he's Mm -hmm. packed the house with things she'll like he's got a refrigerator full of her favorite foods he went to the isle of man where she went to school and got her favorite pastries that she loved when she was a 16 year old and brought them back to her house like yeah that's a sign (laughs) i'd be ready for marriage if (laughs) if (laughs) if the bargainer brought me to his house and showed me a refrigerator full of his fa- my favorite foods. I'd be like, when do we get married? Sign me up. <laughs> yeah. Feed me. <laughs> <laughs> That's all it takes. So. That is all it takes is f- like food. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a simple creature. Yeah. Des also uses unusual requests and stuff to get rid of those beads. So one of them was to get her to stop drinking because she does have a little bit of a drinking problem. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't decide because I thought it was funny. 
but I also couldn't decide if it was something cool, like, you know, if it was good or bad, Mm -hmm. because in terms of plot, you know, okay, it's funny, but when you think about it in real life, taking something away from her, like, yeah, and especially when you know things about it, all things about addiction, it has to be somebody else's choice, or Mm -hmm. it has to be your choice, you know, you -hmm. can't force them to, that, I was like, hmm. Yeah. (laughs) It's a it's a little high handed, and she's she's pissed about it, rightfully so. Like I think it's funny too. But if someone decided for me that I shouldn't be drinking anymore, I'd be like, "Uh, you don't get to make those decisions for me." Exactly. But as you know, a scene in a book, it's great. Des tells Callie that the reason he's been absent for seven years was because his magic turned on him. She made that final wish, and it took him away he couldn't get to her and he tried he says at some point that he worked himself raw every day trying to get to her for seven years and that sucks yeah (laughs) (laughs) like it's cool to have magic until it turns on you yes exactly yeah which i think is interesting i don't think we've seen that in other books where the person's own magic turns on them like that I don't yeah. remember seeing that. So that's an interesting that uh, Laura Thalassa did, I think, in terms yeah. of creating her own lore. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I haven't seen that. Yeah. I think that the, the, so the reasoning for why it did that is really interesting too. So he says, if you're going to, if you make a wish like that, if you wish yourself into having a, like a partner or soulmate or whatever, then there's a price to be paid for that, which is seven years of heartache, basically, which I think is, I don't know, interesting. Seems like an arbitrary number. Who decided seven years of crappy relationships and bad boyfriends was the cost of having a good partner. You know, and really the seven years happened when she, between she was 16 and 23, right? So those yeah. are even, those are the kind of some shitty years there anyway yeah I mean it was gonna be bad anyway it's not like she's 30 yeah and waiting seven years exactly that would be way worse yeah another thing that we were uh, talking about is how he's upset that she had relationships when they were apart Mm -hmm. yeah so he gives off really salty vibes there's a couple so he uses the truth or dare game with her in that to get her to reveal like her past relationship history which is really funny she says like this is more awkward than telling my (laughs) gynecologist about my previous sexual partners but he gets her to reveal all of the people that she's been with and he is very salty about it which I don't think is completely fair to her you know she felt like she'd been abandoned and I guess that he can I mean I guess it would be understandable from his perspective because he spent the last seven years trying to get back to her. But she thought he abandoned her. So. Exactly. And he had no way, I mean, I know he had no way to communicate that to her. So it's, it's not his fault either. It's, it was just a shitty situation. Mm-hmm. He does ask her, ask her too, if she ever loved any of them. Mm-hmm. And she says, no. And she asks, oh, are you happy? And he goes, no, I'm not happy. Yeah. So, that's how I'm, that's how I'm <laughs> it in my head. 
<laughs> no. No, I'm not happy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think that's interesting. But I think it's in that same scene or one near to it where he, so she keeps pressing him to reveal like what happened, why he was gone for seven years, why he's back all of a sudden. And he says, you never asked me. He keeps asking her, she keeps asking him why, but she never asked him how he felt in that time, which is an important distinction. And he says it was like having his soul torn apart in the last seven years were a nightmare. All right, let's talk about Eli, Callie's boyfriend. So she reveals that she's been like trying to break up with him for a while. He's real pushy and he pushes his alpha male stuff on her and she's just not about that vibe. And she doesn't really like he's, he's a stage five clinger. Basically he just wants to be like all up in her feelings and to get her to reveal her secrets. And Callie is not about that. And I can't stand him. (laughs) He's very annoying. He, He was, he's got that whole pack mentality too, Mm -hmm. right? And that's why when he comes, so he shows up at the worst time he could possibly show up as a shifter Mm -hmm. and she's expressed before to him that she doesn't want to be turned Mm -hmm. and he shows up when that he's most dangerous for that to happen. Mm Mm-hmm. It's just, and he's like, oh, we needed to talk about it. Like, yeah. Let's talk about when you're more rational. Right. I would never hurt you. You're my mate. Like, first of all, they haven't even had that conversation. He was going to ask her to be his mate. And he's like, oh, I got a ring and I was going to do this better at another time. But I felt like it was more important now. I guess he takes her off of the most wanted list, right? Oh, Doesn't yeah. He- That's another thing. So he shows up at her house, like you said, at the worst possible time when he's most temperamental, most likely to cause some harm and shift into his werewolf form. And so he's trying, like he's pushing her, pushing her and she, he's not listening to her. So she glamors him and he's like the audacity you glamored me. It's like, you were gonna, like, you were pushing her. This was like, broaching bad territory and so she does what it takes for her to keep herself safe and then he goes to attack Des and she glamours him again and then he has the audacity to put her on the most wanted list of course he gets like a week off from work and everything so for the werewolf the queer equivalent of like a period he gets to take off work for a week so that he can do his little shifting thing and be safe like can i get a week off work no because you're a woman nope no weeks off work nope did you know that during a period the uterus contracts at the same pressure uh, that it does during stage two labor to get endometrial tissue to expel from the body it's the same pressure amount as during stage two labor which is why period cramps are so terrible because it's a lot of pressure we do that every month and still keep living our lives yep because women are amazing we are (laughs) I, I, i didn't know that but it doesn't surprise me So one of the lands within the night court is called Somnia, the land of sleep and small death, which I think is really interesting 
because small death comes up a lot in this series. Uh, it's one of those things that's tied with the thief of souls, the thief of souls, and it's associated with dreaming. But the there's a French phrase called le petit mort, which means sorry, I butchered that. I'm I don't speak French well or at all, but whatever. Anyway, which means like the little death or the small death, and it's it's associated with like the sensation of post orgasm as it's likened to death which I think is an interesting tie to all of the sex that happens in these books. That is, well, Des says that part of, he controls everything that happens in the night. So Mm -hmm. one of those is sex. Mm -hmm. So they talk about that. They do talk about that. So Yes. We get to see a little bit of one of the other kings. Mm -hmm. I want to say hi, hi, Lord. But that's not that. It's not that. Book. It's not a high lord. It's just a king. But it's king. hard. We meet Karnan in this, and he has a whole bunch of fur rugs and hunting stuff. But he's king of the fauna. Well, so I thought about that. You know, his his subjects are like part animal, part fae being, or whatever. But. I mean, maybe there are instances where people misbehave. I feel like there are probably criminals in all realms. And so maybe if you're a criminal in the the fauna realm, you experience capital punishment in the form of being turned into a rug. That's so dark, Marissa. (laughs) (laughs) A warning. (laughs) Oh my God. All who would disobey. When Karnan is in his mad state, he seems to want to help Callie in a really weird way. You know, he calls her his little bird and she's not free and he has to, you know, set her free. Mm -hmm. And that's when he, so it's also, she says, he says wings and gills. Mm -hmm. So he gives her the wings, luckily no gills, because that would would be awful. So she just gets, um wings and scales mm-hmm. and claws yeah, that's right and claws but she can file this down and they're just like regular nails mm-hmm. so it's not too bad yeah that's interesting um, it's yeah, yeah it is like he's fighting for dominance like he has one uh orient or not orientation one it's like having dual personalities inside of a body so he's got one personality that's like he reminds me of Radagast the brown from the hobbit it's like super kind of weird and just really loves animals and wants her to be like his his bird with the wings and to set her free i guess so that she can like to liberate her or whatever and then he's got this other personality which is the uh, a rapist <laughs> and, and uh basically a murderer and a person who tortures people so Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and every time she visits him, she doesn't know what she's going to get. Yes. So, and sometimes she gets both. That's true. Sometimes That's true. the fight happens, like the fight for the dominant personality happens in front of her, which is, I feel like would be really unsettling. She says she can kind of relate to it because she has the siren inside of her. Mm-hmm. So she recognized that in him as well. Mm-hmm. she does say that she meets ethereal when she's in prison not prison yeah 
but yeah, she meets Ethereal, <laughs> who's a, a day court soldier, and is able to kind of make a little bond in in captivity. Yeah, I like that. Just because having someone there, and it also helps her like spirit and to like talk through things with her as right. well. Yeah, and she gets some support as well but it's also very sad it is sad it's sad for ethereal yeah they (laughs) they talk about kingdom dynamics in the other books a little bit more but ethereal reveals that she is a lesbian she has a wife but they were able to get married in the day court which is where she is from and lives and she's a day or day kingdom soldier they had to get married in the night kingdom because day kingdom doesn't recognize same sex marriage. Yes. I, it's very interesting. So the night kingdom, not court, the night kingdom is, uh, you know, got rid of slaves, mm-hmm. which are humans, right? In yeah. the series got rid of slaves is accepting of same sex marriage mm-hmm. is basically very liberal, I guess, right? Mm-hmm. The most yeah. open of them. Super open-minded. Yeah, super open-minded. Also with this night kingdom, the sun never rises at all. It's always dark, mm-hmm. which is interesting. I would be comatose. <laughs> I well, can't, after like eight or nine o'clock, I'm just fighting to be awake. If there wasn't sunlight, sunlight in my life, I don't think that I would ever awake mm-hmm. i wonder if seasonal affective disorder is a problem there i guess not they don't mention yeah it. if you're born as a night kingdom fae then you'd probably be okay with it but i wonder if they're like if you if you crossed over in courts well yeah if you were like a day kingdom fae and you came to live in the night kingdom yeah. would you be like would you develop some type of like seasonal or like affective issues? Would you, I feel maybe you would learn to cope. In this book, we also have a signature smell for our male romantic lead. (laughs) Of course, he is described as having a scent that is smoky, like wood fire and masculine. I don't know what defines masculine. So I, wood fire, I can definitely smell, you know, Mm -hmm. like that's, campfire but what's masculine is that bo is that (laughs) spice what (laughs) as masculine i don't know just just musky in general does wood is wood fire a masculine smell why do we assign masculinity and femininity to smells that's a good point i guess so because we do flower and all that stuff. Yeah, women are given like floral scents, light, mm-hmm. light scents a lot of times. Men, there's a lot. I feel like in half the books we've read, men are described as smelling like sandalwood. Yes, it's for like, some type of some type of tree to pine. Yes, there's a there's a tree scent, uh, sandalwood. The outdoors. Yes. I guess. Why are the outdoors that? masculine? I like trees. After Eli turns up at Des's house and Des storms out with his wings on display and Eli concedes and says, I didn't know, I didn't understand. 
Callie has this moment like, uh, what just happened? And why does it matter that his wings are out? So she calls her bestie Temper and Temper's like, I'm pretty sure that means you're his betrothed. And so she goes to question Dust about it. And he's like, actually, it means you're my soulmate. So that's a really sweet moment. And also quite shocking. How wouldn't that be interesting if you so we get to we get this like designation of soulmates again Des reveals to her that he felt it like the moment that he encountered her he felt that she was his soulmate but how interesting would that be if you know your partner just walked around like with their wings on display this is mine <laughs> it's such I mean <laughs> I know but it's such it's so cute when he was maybe I liked having them out and the way you looked at me mm-hmm. and the, or the way that you looked at them and then when you can tell he's like freaking out or losing control over it when his wings, he's like trouble controlling his wings. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Wings. It is. It is cute. And it's sweet. So he has a little bit of a vulnerable moment there. He doesn't reveal his secrets very well. He's not used to being vulnerable. He's not. And that's just how he's been in his hundred years of life. Hundreds of years of life. He doesn't, he hasn't had really many people he can be open with and so it's not natural to him to reveal his secrets which is not a comfortable scenario for Callie because apparently the only way she can perceive things is for it to be stated very clearly and so he has a little bit of a vulnerable moment then like well what if I was afraid of like revealing them and you not returning my feelings or something so that's sweet too. So their first, I guess, sexual encounter in this one, or really intimate account- encounter, is when she's kissing along his jawline, right? Mm-hmm. I love that scene, especially because he's yeah. sitting like perfectly still, so she won't stop. Mm-hmm. And it seems like he's scared of her stopping and going away. Mm-hmm. Oof, that scene. Yeah. It's really sweet. It's also really intimate too. You know, he asked that they play the game and he asked her to do something that she wanted to do seven years ago and couldn't. And that's what she picks, but it is super hot. Very sweet. And then he, so his thing that he wanted to do seven years ago was to finish the Harry Potter series. So sweet. It's so cute. (laughs) The author does such a good job of build up. I feel like. Oh yeah. Right. She does. Yes. There's, there's good like mental foreplay, I guess, for the readers. So mm-hmm. good buildup of sexual tension, good buildup of leading to moments of intimacy, very steamy. So after they watch Harry Potter together, they wake up and she gives him a hand job and it's the descriptors on that are super, super hot. And I yeah. like that their their first encounter is not just like straight to penetration. It's something like that. It's Callie taking charge. Yes, I love that because so many times it's the guy going, most of the time the guy going down on the woman is like their first sexual encounter, right? Mm-hmm. Oral sex for her. But this was a hand job from her point of view. And But here's the thing with that scene. Have you ever tried to give a hand job to somebody through their pants like that? because it's not comfortable (laughs) the ergonomics are not ideal especially (laughs) like your hand scrapes on the zipper and shit like 
so that was my thought my you know I have those like oh realistic like yes. putting myself in these situations where I'm yeah. like this is really hot but at the same time that's not comfortable and it <laughs> <laughs> oh and men moaning right that when yeah. she has him moan and say what is I mean he always just says oh too good or something like that mm-hmm. men moaning is so hot yeah right. yeah the guttural no- noises. I was looking for what growling. There was a lot of growling in the last series that we talked about. So the males do a lot of growly noises mm-hmm. or purring. And this one, we just have guttural sounds. I don't think there's any. Is there any growling? No. No. I don't remember any growling. Yeah. So this is a more realistic, I think, because that purring and growling have not ever occurred to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love their uh, one of their first makeout sessions. Well, it is their first makeout scene, and she grazes his wings. So there's something about wings being super sensitive. I don't know. It mm-hmm. makes it hot. It does make it hot. I wonder if that's. Oh, does that say something about us that we're turned on by grazing wings? I don't know. I don't feel a particular affection for birds or winged <laughs> creatures when they finally have sex it's pretty great except that there's no talk of clitoral stimulation so what i do like about this is that it's not just like a a super and like aggressive penetrative moment because even though we're suspending reality and this is a fantasy book aggressive penetration most of the time is not ideal mm-hmm. or <laughs> painless. So I, he, he, they talk about like slowly easing into penetration, which I think is fantastic, but I think there's not much mention of clitoral stimulation. And I'm a huge fan of reading that in books like this, because like 80% of women require clitoral stimulation to achieve an orgasm. So, and I know we're suspending reality and maybe because she's a siren and she's designed for sex and Des is the king of the night kingdom, which is also reigning over sex and chaos that she's able to have magic sex without clitoral stimulation. And, or maybe she's one of the 20% of women who don't require clitoral stimulation to have an orgasm, but I like to read that in books. So we've talked about this before, uh, with oral sex in books, mm-hmm that there's always it's super descriptive on the man's end Mm -hmm. right and then nothing for the women ever do you notice that so like the men it'll be so I don't really like bodily fluids or anything (laughs) but so they'll be like oh you taste so good you smell so good and Mm -hmm. but the women it's just like I licked him Mm -hmm. and that's okay that's what you did Mm -hmm. I just think that's interesting and I wonder why that is so something that happens in pretty much every book I feel like that we've read Mm -hmm. is that men will finger the women and then lick their fingers afterwards and be like "Mm, tastes so good (laughs) (laughs) and why yeah first off I'm sure this I Mm, it's not hot to me, but I said before, I'm not a big fan of bodily fluids. Right. 
so it kind of you know like yes that sort of reaction yeah I think objectively discussing things out of their context like this automatically makes them a little bit disgusting like when you're reading it you're in the moment the buildup has been super great like it's super hot you're into it and the guy's like yeah, I'm going to lick my fingers after I fingered you. You're like, okay, let's move on to more penetration. But when <laughs> you take it out of context and it's like men licking their fingers after they've had them inside of another person or people in general, not even men, but people licking their fingers after they've had them inside of another person. It's like, uh, I get KFC vibes and it disgusts me. Finger looking good. Like, no, that doesn't out of context. It's awful in context. It doesn't bother me. He pinches her clitoris. That does, yeah, that seems aggressive. I mean, obviously, everybody has different preferences for things that they enjoy. Pinching seems aggressive. Nipping, too. Yeah, like biting seems also aggressive. I could see maybe like scraping teeth or something (laughs) Uh, less intense, but. A pinch seems like it would be uncomfortable, but I don't know. Everybody's into different things. So maybe there are people out there who enjoy having their clitoris pinched. I'm sure there must be. I mean, people like the whole slapping thing. Yeah. So, right. That's a thing. Yes. Yeah. That is the thing. And there, I mean, you know, everybody responds differently to different stimulation. And so I feel like pinching would be a little bit more uncomfortable and some people enjoy that type of stimulation where it is a little bit more painful. I feel like if you tried to pinch a penis, you would not get a good response. Yeah. But I wouldn't, I've never tried that. Maybe I will. Give it a go. To be determined. Give us an update next week. (laughs) (laughs) Update. It did not go well. So something that we run into this in this book that stresses us both out is that they do have sex and there's no mention of any type of contraception. Really stressful. stressful. Really stressful. It's just absolutely no mention of it whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And so it's interesting because in her other books, the Four Horsemen books, she does mention it for each of the characters. Mm -hmm. Right, so mm-hmm. she mentions it for pestilence. War, okay, war. We know what happens, mm-hmm. and then famine as well. She brings it up, and we haven't gotten to death yet. But in this, means nothing. No mention. Uh, Again, I- our ability to suspend reality only extends so far, and one of the one of our limits is going to be pregnancy. Let's talk about our favorite moments in the book. Okay. So one of mine was the firefly crown. Yes. That does make sense. That was really sweet because (laughs) um, I I like her reaction to it. She's like, there are bugs in my hair. I know. I thought of you when I read that and it's like, Vicky's not going to be okay with this. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't, it was fine, but yeah, that was probably, that would probably be my reaction as well. Yes. Um, Yeah. There are bugs in my hair yeah I thought that was a really great like and real reaction to like oh it's sweet because he's magicking the elements but oh this is 
disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> then the other one I have, because I just thought it was sweet, was uh, the Pixies when he flies her to his kingdom. Right? He's flying her. Yes. And they come and they're chattering to him and he's like, yes, she is beautiful. Mm-hmm. And they're playing with her hair. Yes. He tells her it's yeah. good luck to be touched by a pixie. Mm-hmm. And it's an honor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I really like when he calls her Cherub. That's his pet name for her. I think it's a cute little pet name. She doesn't like it initially. She's like, I just picture fat baby angels, <laughs> which I guess, yeah, that's that is what you you could do but it's also really sweet do you think he calls any of his other people that he makes bargains with cherub no no he also doesn't draw pictures of them and hang out in their bedrooms no No. watch harry potter movies with them comfort them when they're having nightmares there are so many signs (laughs) Just, just like being slapped in the face with them doesn't get it yes I picked, I have three quotes that I liked. Um, So this one is said by the bargainer. I don't make the rules. I just bend them, which I love because that happens when she asks him, I think, to tell a secret and he tells her some stupid secret. Yeah. He says, uh, you drooled on me. Yes. Yeah. That's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then he goes, I I don't make them, I just spend them. I thought that was, Mm -hmm. uh, because it's a cute scene, and it's funny they said that. Then this one is by Temper. She Mm -hmm. says, bitch, you must have a vagina of gold. Yeah. Which is great, because that's when she finds out that um, Callie managed to talk her way, I guess, off of the top 100 most dangerous beings and also Eli is just gonna leave her alone mm-hmm. I mean that's really not thanks to her vagina that's thanks to Des showing his wings mm-hmm. but still I thought it was a funny quote Temper's hysterical I wish we saw more of her in this book I would like I a book of just temper one of my favorite things that Callie says to Des is after he's taken her to his house in Catalina and she doesn't have good control over her siren. So the seductress comes out and she climbs up onto his lap. But she says to him, I'm going to make you ache and ache and ache and I will do nothing to alleviate it. I'm going to make you pay for leaving me. Ooh, I love that. First of all, I love a tease. And that, sedu- that uh, siren is just a big old tease. But I like that image of her making him pay for abandoning her. Mm -hmm. And then uh, something else that he says, something you should know about the Fae, the only time our wings come out is when we want to fight or to fuck, which is pretty hot. Because then they come out. (laughs) And he's kissing her. Yes. When he, yeah, when he's kissing her after the ball. And then later he has trouble controlling his wings when he's feeling aggressive or riled or super protective. And then finally, when he reveals that she's his soulmate, those wings, they make a lot of appearances. Mm -hmm. And after knowing what they mean and him just 
basically introducing her to his people you know like he flies and he steps down he's got his wings out yes and he's walking her down and everyone's like oh they start clapping yes yeah. they start clapping yes Callie's like what yes honey like <laughs> go Des you found yourself a mate yes <laughs> all right closing thoughts on this book I liked that the book had a glossary Again, it's in the back of the book, but, you know, at least there's a glossary. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, I like that. Yeah. Love a glossary. I wish that there had been a map. So, he kind of lays out all of these different, you know, the different kingdoms or whatever for Callie. But I had trouble spatially making it happen in my mind without a map. My imagination is just not spatially oriented I guess I love the storyline I really loved this book and I did not think I was going to really based off of the plot I like because it was oh he's coming to collect favors they mm-hmm. met when they were you know she was six oh right the teenager thing is off-putting I yeah like, I don't know if I'm gonna like this I was really nervous about it but I ended up loving this Yes, me too. You know, I felt that I felt that way about Laura Thalassa's other, the Four Horsemen series. I thought, I'm not going to like this. I bought the first book because it was free. And I thought post-apocalyptic world, like that's not really my jam. I don't think I'm going to like it, but it had a jillion great reviews. And so did this series too. It had a bunch of great reviews. So I started it and it was like, (gasps) love. Yes. Love that series. Love this series. I was really nervous about starting the Four Horsemen series too. Remember? Mm-hmm. I was like, uh, I don't know. It, it was in my Kindle for weeks mm-hmm. before I was. I was like, all right, I guess I'll read it. And then I was like, Can't I love stop. pestilence. Mm-hmm. Pestilence is adorable. Yeah. So I guess both. Of, I think the they're reason- unexpected. That both I've had. I had unexpected feelings about both of them. Both of those series. Thank you for joining us this week as we discussed. Rhapsodic, the first book in the Bargainer series. We'd love for you to join us next week where we'll pick up with book two in this series called A Strange Hymn. We can't wait to talk about it with you. Thank you for listening to Literary Quest. We hope you enjoyed our episode. If you'd like to follow us on social media, we can be found at Literary Quest Podcast on Instagram or Facebook. You're also welcome to share your thoughts and ideas with us via email at literaryquestpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again.